तव कथाजीवन कविफिरीत कलमशापहम श्रवणमंगल श्रीमदात भुवि गृणंती So now we will continue from the section which we have just concluded in the last class, having conversation with the devotees at Dakshineshwar. It's just after the visit to Ishwar Chandra Vidya Sagar, so the reference of Ishwar Chandra Vidya Sagar is there in his conversation as we found in the last class. In the last class, we were discussing that why Sri Ramakrishna's to Ishwar Chandra Vidya Sagar is essential. That why? Because the first time when he has visited, he found that because of his uh, altruism, because of his very broad, kind heart, from which that altruism uh, was the motivation, all the motivation behind his altruism was his compassionate heart, with which he was to certain to a great activities. For which he was also known as Karuna Sagar, that because of his this as he was a scholar because of his academic excellence, he was given the title Vidya Sagar. Means because of his compassion, the another adage which was which was not from some any uh, university, it was the common people's way of addressing him that he is Karuna Sagar, that he is not only the ocean of knowledge, he is ocean of compassion. Karuna is compassion found. that vidya sagar has already developed a spiritual dimension in his life unknowingly though he was not a conformist as per the conventional religion is concerned but his way of life have actually resulted in chitta shuddhi his mind has been cleansed by all his actions so it just needs to instance for that a few more visits are required that's what sri ramakrishna was indicating and that's the subject on which we were having a very elaborate discussion in the last class so we won't uh, continue with it again in this same class so in this class we will proceed with the discussion which followed after that so so the master talked with m now master a little spiritual discipline is necessary in order to know what lies within so now from vidya sagar he shifts is shifting his discussion in general for all that at the beginning a little spiritual discipline is necessary so here sri ramakrishna by spiritual practice by spiritual discipline what he is actually intending the initial practices of a novice for whom devotion is yet to develop and he has to use his will power at the beginning so that's the discipline he is speaking of he have to take a resolution and that resolution is based on the shraddha the faith what is the faith that what the scripture spiritual illuminary figure speaks of that they are genuine though i may at present not understand everything of it but what they prescribe out of faith just the way i have faith on the doctor i never go and ask him just say explain me the entire medical science behind it otherwise i am not going to take the prescription which you have the doctor will find it is impossible he has went through that entire course for years together to have an understanding of the condition of the patients though he may explain it 
in a very broad term, but it is very difficult for the doctor to go to the intricacies of the medical science and explain the that prescription is prescribed to him. Why all those medicines, how the medicine works. He did not go to all those details. The patient has to have the sraddha, the faith in the doctor that he knows well. He's an authentic in the medical science. That's why I went to the doctor who actually is an authority of the medical science. He has studied it well and full out of faith, I follow the prescription. Here also, that faith ritually illumines soul speaks off. I have faith in that. It's impossible for the guru to explain the intricacies of all the spiritual practices which he prescribes for me. But out of faith, knowing very well, it is going to entail my spiritual evolution. I resort to the practice of devotion. Devotion cannot be forced. That when it has been asked to me that be devoted to God, how can I force devotion? How can I force love? Love is spontaneous. Devotion is spontaneous. I cannot force it. But there's a way. That in Chaitanya Charitramrita, very nicely the way has been spoken of. That if you don't have the devotion to Hari or the Lord, in whatever form it may be, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is speaking of Hari or Krishna, for others, whatever may be their chosen deity, it doesn't matter that how to develop the devotion for that, how the bud of devotion, the devotion will bloom. Go on taking the name of the Lord. In time, it will bloom. What's the basic science behind it? As we have explained so many times, that in our life, whatever things we like, know it for certain, we have done them repeatedly out of necessity, at either in this life or in some previous life. That repeated action creates as if a path in your mind. And once the path is created, the tendency of the mind is just to traverse that path. It likes all our likings develop that way. That out of necessity, what I do again and again, then once the path is formed because of the repeated action, it just to do it speaks of my liking. It has become my obsession. You can easily understand what all we like. Sri Ramakrishna in the gospel again and again says, Kamini Kanchan Maya, that lust and gold is the cause of our bondage. How it has become? Just see from a single micro to the human being in the entire process of evolution, what was the necessity to sustenance, which in the human being is in the form of wealth, in the form of gold. Unless I have gold, I cannot acquire the things, the procure the things of my necessity. That speaks of conscience. I have to sustain myself. And I am not going to live forever. I continue to exist. This to our necessity. And you will find that these two are the biggest obsession in the human civilization. What else is there? And this obsession has gone to such an extent. If you open the newspaper to find any story, any crime story, at last you will find either of these two is the basic reason. Is there a lust? Kambini Kanchan, lust and gold. So what has happened? That the thing which is necessary that has got converted into obsession, the way the mind walk, uh, works, as a default way that works, it takes us spirally downward, tomorrow's obsession. All our likings at last boils down to this neuroplasticity. In spiritual life, we use the same mind. The same mind is being used to take us spirally outwards. The thing, the phenomenon, the, the way which has actually uh, bounded us, which, has, which is the cause, same thing, that's the skill. I can go out of all my bondages by using the same uh, programming of the mind. How? So that's the thing This all the spiritual traditions have spoken of. Spoken of. You go to any spiritual tradition. We say that all they speak of apparently appears to be varied. Is there anything common? 
the one of the basic thing which is common in all the religion is the repetition the practice whatever may be the practice you go to the church you go to the mosque you go to the temple anywhere you go you will find there is in some form of prayer or ritual something is repeated again and again again and again it is through this repetition we are resorting to the neuroplasticity of the mind that's why the discipline is necessary discipline speaks of what that i am not giving importance to my mood to my whims and fancies that i have taken a resolution to follow a particular routine a discipline i have to have taken a resolution to resort to some spiritual practices again and again every day and that's the thing which is been spoken in order to know what lies within it and this what sri ramakrishna is saying a little why a little at the beginning when i am using my will power to resort to that practice again and again because of that neuroplasticity in no time what will happen a path will be created in the mind that's the way the mind works as we have seen once the path is created you will develop a love for the practice it's not that you have that by little practice you are reaching the goal that to know what lies within sri ramakrishna is there you will just reach the highest goal so that's why we say in the gospel the lines appear to be so simple but we have to really dive deep into these words reflect them to understand its meaning it's not that by little practice cannot be a slip shot remedy for all our worldly evils it's an assiduous path it is a it will take quite a time to go through this entire process but why sri ramakrishna is saying little spiritual discipline because after it the devotion is bound to come i will really start liking that practice and then the discipline is no more there though you are doing the same thing though it has not taken you to the goal but still you are continuing but the discipline is no more required because you are already disciplined that will take you to the ultimate realization so this is the thing which will become clear when we relate to the masters following the words which is succeeds after this sentence so let's proceed to the conversation what master is saying after that when sri ramakrishna says a little spiritual discipline is necessary in order to know what lies within then i immediately ask is it necessary to practice discipline all through life now the master's answer will relate to the discussion which we had just now no but one must be up and doing in the beginning now the wonderful example he is giving the helmsman stands up and clutches the rudder firmly as long as the boat is passing through waves storms high wind or around the curves of a river as soon as the boat passes the curves and the helmsman feels a favorable wind he sits comfortably and just touches the rudder, rudder next he prepares to unfurl the sail and gets ready for a smoke peace and calm after passing the waves and storms of woman and gold wonderful just in these words the words which sri ramakrishna is speaking he is speaking of a flow the i this in modern psychology they speak of flow the flow psychology you will find the exact idea of just take a river just take a stream coming down the mountains and when it comes down the mountain it bifurcates into two streams so it is actually one river so when you are coming from uh, one of the legs of that u that the stream has become like a u uh, curve so from one of the legs of the gains the flow so you have to really endeavor but once you reach the curve from where you are going to get now you are moving away from the mountain now you are in a favorable flow in modern psychology they speak in flow psychology when your skills meets the at the beginning that will power with the will power you are developing the skill the devotion is that is if devotion is the skill which i have to develop for that the will power is important with that i reach the curve now i am having a favorable flow 
So now that spontaneous devotion will spontaneously, the devotion will spontaneously take me towards the goal. I need not have to resort to the practice with have developed the liking for it. It will naturally take you. So let us read those words again. No, but one must be up and doing in the beginning. After that, one need not work hard. The healthman stands up and clutches the rudder firmly, high wind around the curves of a river, but he relaxes after steering through them. As soon as the boat passes the curves and the healthman feels a favorable wind, that is the flow, he sits. Next, he prepares to unfurl the sail and gets ready for a smoke. That speaks of relaxation. It has got the favorable wind. So just you unfurl the sail automatically, it will start moving. You need not have to peace and calm after passing the waves and storms of woman and gold. That the initial stage. That how, when you develop the liking for the divine, how it helps us to enjoy the peace and calm and how it has really helped us to pass the waves of this uh, woman and gold. Now this is so many other contexts. Here let us try to understand that how developing devotion can help us to pass the waves and storms of women and gold. Now, all our likings are dependent on something external. Till now, in the entire process of evolution, whatever obsession I have developed out of necessity, whatever obsession I have developed, it is an obsession for the things, whether it is relation, whether it is the, uh, our food, our wealth, it is something I have to acquire. It is not something which is an integrated part of me. I have to acquire it is something apart from me. So it speaks of worries and concerns. All our obsessions are linked to the worries and concerns. What's that desired object till I get it, whether it is woman or gold, whether it is lust or wealth. I am anxious. I may not achieve my goal. And when I've achieved again, still my worries are there. I may lose it. Wealth may be gone. Relations may be broken. So throughout my life, whatever thing I am chasing after, the worry, the anxiety, I can never forget about it. In some way or other, it is there with it. When I have not achieved, I'm afraid I may not get it. When I've got it, I'm afraid I lose it. It is something intrinsic. The love for God is something universal. When you like a person, some other person also likes that person. That you like A, someone else like A. There will be jealousy. There will be friction. That his liking may... Uh, at last result in my loss in wealth in a, for a particular position in the office, whatever it is, I am not going to get it. But Sri Ramakrishna in the gospel in some of the places he has said that, that Ishar, about God, he's saying that he's that uh, in, in with respect to God, he's saying Chada Mama Shakule Mama, that when the mother points to the moon and says that is your uncle, means in the, in the olden days, that's how he acquainted with the moon. See, see, see that moon, it's your uncle. When mother is saying the moon is your uncle, that doesn't entail that the other children's uncle won't be the moon. It's a universal. Similarly, God, by saying that, he means God can be everyone's own. When you say, I like love God, turmoil with others, it is something intrinsic. That's why it speaks God and God is sitting in the heart of our heart. No one can take it away. So this is the love for the first time, this devotion you have developed through your practice, which is something intrinsic, which doesn't depend on something extraneous. So that's what Mirabai says in one of the songs. It is such a love you have developed, this love for the divine through the neuroplasticity. You have developed that liking to think of God that gives you tremendous joy. That is something no one can take away from you. 
there need not be any jealousy about that relation because everyone can do it, can relate to the divine without the renounce, the thing which you love. You can love, others can also love. There's no harm that everyone, they, they, it can, this love can be universal. It is something intrinsic. That's in the words of Mirabai, It doesn't get expended. A thief may come and steal it. You are having no more wealth. And even if no one takes, if you just have a wealth, you go on spending, it will be exhausted one day. But here it is just the opposite. It is qualitatively different. It's what's, it cannot be expended. The more you practice, the more the groove in your mind deepens, the more intense is your love. So it can never get expended. The more you resort to the practice, the more the neuroplasticity deepens the groove in your mind, the more intense is the life. That's why you find that the devotion becomes overwhelming. No one can take away from you. It is intrinsic. It is not something external. So no chore, no thief can take it away from you. So as it is qualitatively different, what happens is very interesting thing happens. Now at present, as all my desires are extrinsic, going to a destination through the traffic, when you're going to, when you're trying to go to a destination through the traffic, everyone wants to go to their destination as early as possible. And that's why there has to be traffic rules. You whenever you are going to cross some intersection, we go. Everyone has to have his chance. So you, your wish to go to your destination is to a great extent being hindered by others' wish. So that's what all other desires are. It is like going through the traffic. It cannot be just a smooth path, but this new love which you have developed in no way clashes with others. It is like passing through the freeway where there is no intersection. When there was no freeway, I had no other option than to go through the traffic. There was no other option. I had to go through the traffic because there was no freeway. I have to go to the destination and there is no other way. I have to somehow compromise my desire because of others. And now I have developed a love where I did not have to depend on the others uh, desires and obsessions in any way is not going to interact with mine. I've created a freeway where there is no intersection. So now when I have a freeway, why should I go through the traffic? My natural tendency will be to grow to this freeway. And the same thing happens with the mind. This immediately will create a tendency in my mind to avoid all those traffic. I want to get joy and the joy is possible only when I can pass through the already created path in my mind. That's the thing only give me joy. So there are so many paths. Previously, when one path was created, it was not at the cost of some other path. They were still there. They were all coexisting, but coexist with the love for other things because you have created a freeway. All are through the traffic. Now the mind's natural tendency will be to traverse the path, path where there is no hindrance. It's just a freeway. There is no question of traffic, no congestion. It is an easiest way to resort, giving me joy. Why should I go through the traffic anymore? So they start falling off naturally. You don't have to, at the beginning, you have to force yourself till that love has developed. I have to willfully try to get rid of woman and gold. I have to use my willpower and resort more and more to this type of practice vertically. And you automatically go to that path which you have created because that gives you happiness. And that is the path which is qualitatively and quantitatively, both ways it is better than all the previous path which you have created through the entire process of evolution, generation. You need not traverse them. They fall off automatically. So that's why Sri Ramakrishna is saying, likewise, the aspirant enjoys peace and calm after passing the waves and storms of woman and gold. You passed at the beginning that will was required to a certain extent. Now those paths fall off automatically. Some are born with the characteristics of the yogi, but they too should be careful. 
It is woman and gold alone that is the obstacle. It makes them deviate from the path of us. Perhaps they have some desire for enjoyment. After fulfilling that desire, they again direct their minds to God and thus recover their former state of mind, fit for the practice of yoga. So interesting that just now we say that once you have developed the path for the divine, you're safe, but not that safe. Because other paths are still there. It's not that they have uh, um, vanished. They're still there. You're not using, you're resorting to the devotional practice. But it may so happen that the circumstances, you know, that we are born in a particular circumstances, the environment doesn't allow me to early ways of life are open to me. So I can again deviate, though this path has already been created, but I don't get the proper satsang, the favorable environment. So the path as such is not used. I am again getting somehow lured by this. It is actually this, all this speaks of the flow. Till it takes you to the realization, there's still chance of this a fall is a coming behind. We will try to understand that how it happens. Till this, this flow, what has this flow, uh, how it helps us to progress spiritually. When I have entered that flow, the devotion has started welling up in my heart. I've started proceeding. But it like when I've developed a devotion to contemplate on the thing which I just imagine. The God which I think of at present, the concept of divinity I think of present, the concept of spiritual dimension I think of at present is not realization. It's an imagination. That imagination, I have developed a liking for it. I'm resorting to the practice. It's still an imagination. But this imagination will take me to the realization. How? Once you enter into the flow, the nature of the like, your mind gets focused to it. When you are watching the TV, someone calls you, you are watching an interesting match. Someone calls you, the sound enters your ear, but it cannot get connected to the mind because the entire mind is engaged with the thing which you are seeing in the TV. You like it. That's why you're so engaged. The engagement can be so intense that not only the external distractions, even the bodily feelings, the bodily, which, which always is making us aware of hunger, thirst, tiredness, need for sleep. That's all biological alarms. A part of the mind has to be in our body to be aware of hunger, thirst, tiredness. When I get extremely focused, you will find that those who are extremely passionate about any performing arts or is a painter or is a, an author or maybe even a surgeon who is very, very particular, where he has developed, they are doing susceptible, they can take a surgeon. He's standing just by the side of the patient in the OT, in the operation theater. And most probably it's a very complicated operation for eight hours, nine hours operation is going on. As long as the operation is going on, the doctor neither feels hunger nor thirst, nothing. Because the tremendous focus he needs to be prepared the entire mind for the process which he is conducting, which he's undertaking. The other, this, the biological needs, the hunger, thirst, the mind cannot process them because the entire mind has been taken away by this focus. So it's only after eight, nine hours when the operation is over, then suddenly he feels he's extremely tired. He needs to have food, needs to have some drink. All those things on which it was focused. Similarly, the flow in spiritual path, the more intense it becomes, the more the other thing starts falling off. The last thing to fall off is our limited sense of individuality. That I am this body-mind complex, which constitutes always holding onto that. We never forget that I am, whatever I'm doing, Behind it, that amnesty is there. Even when I am meditating, I know I am meditating. I am meditating. I am meditating on a particular 
form of divinity, concept of divinity. So the concept of divinity becomes the dhyaya, object of meditation. I am the dhyata, the meditator. And what's connecting this adhi, which speaks of the ultimate spiritual realization. What happens? This three distinction falls off. This triad collapses. How it happens? The moment the ego falls off, the last bit of your mind to which the ego is holding, your object of meditation has taken away even your ego. Now that the triad of meditator, the object of meditation and the process of meditation that falls off, you become one with the object of meditation. And that's what Sri Ramakrishna is speaking. You have created a hole in the wall of ego through which you are peeping. And that's what you're seeing is that non-local amnes, that infinite non-dual reality of which part we all are one with it. So I've created a hole in the wall of ego. How it was created? First, through the entire spiritual practice, I was chiseling out from the wall of ego. What I was chiseling out? The, my concept of divinity. My concept of divinity is the form of the hole which I Till the chiseling is complete to create a hole. Now you are peeping through the hole. The ego has vanished. You are relating to that non-dual reality. And that gives the feeling of the unsubstantiality of the world, that it is this non-dual reality which is appearing as the world of name and form when it is being uh, when it reflects through the chitta, the mind. When I go beyond the mind, when I go beyond the ego, it falls off the mirage. As long as the mind is there, that same non-dual reality is appearing as the world of name and form, but it has no substantial reality, just the way. The reservoir which I see in the desert has no substantial reality. It's the desert which has been projected as that. Once you go to that state, now what happens? The entire creation becomes something unsubstantial. There's no chance of falling back. Why? Once I have realized the mirage, it has lost the power to grapple me, to hold me. That Swami Vivekananda gives that example again and again. That he was passing through the desert. He was thirsty, he was in search of water and he suddenly saw a huge reservoir. To quench his thirst, he started moving towards it and in no time, after some time he found it vanished. And then the, it, the realization dawned in him that from childhood I have studied in textbook, I have read about Miraj. I thought I know what Miraj is, but it was just a conceptual knowledge. Today I experienced it. How it thirsty, I am again thirsty. And again I see the Miraj. It's not that I have seen the Miraj yesterday, I don't see the reservoir today. I can see it, but there's a huge difference. Yesterday dragged me because I thought the reservoir to be substantial, to be real. It dragged me. Today it has lost the hold on me. It cannot drag me anymore. So now it cannot bind me. Iraj is real to me. It has the power to drag me. Why? I may be thirsty and then it will drag me. So as long as those paths, the various other paths, though I have developed love, the chiseling process is going on, but the hole has not been created. Still, it's an imagination. As long as the chiseling doesn't create the hole, that are still open. The thirst may deviate me when I see the reservoir. The reservoir may appear again to be real and I will be dragged towards it. But once the chiseling is complete, I have seen, I have related to that reality. Now the substantiality of the reservoir is no more there. It cannot lure me anymore. So till the realization dawns, even when I've entered into the flow, there is a chance that my old thirst may again substantial, real, and it may drag me. So that's why Sri Ramakrishna, even after saying that it is that once you have that of the little practice, you have developed that flow, but still there's a chance you may fall. So don't stop till the goal is reached. That's Uttishthata, Jagrata, Prapya, Vashyadhara, Nishita, Duratyaya. 
Durgam Pathastvat, Kavayo Vadanti. That it's a very difficult path. Don't take it so easy. Don't take it so casual. It is just like walking on the edge of a razor. Then you may feel totally discouraged. But the answer is, it is difficult, but it is not impossible. And it is the only way, Nanya Pantha Vidyate Naya said. It is difficult, but not impossible. It is possible. Many have traversed. So don't take it so easy. Yes, initial stage, that Swalpam Apyasya Dharmasya Trayate Mahatubhayat. That little practice will save me from great danger. That now you are free from all dangers. You have to be very cautious. As Shankaracharya says, when you are climbing up the stairs with a ball in hand, with a ball in your hand, with a globe in your hand, you're climbing up the stairs. You're very careful that when I'm climbing, if I trip, the ball will fall from my hand. So I have to be very careful. And you have almost and carelessly you trip and the ball falls from your hand. The golaka, the ball falls from your hand. The globe falls from your hand. What Shankaracharya is saying is interesting. It won't stay in the step in which you have tripped. It will simply roll down to from where you started. So that's the uh, tendency of our mind that if some old uh, likings develop, I may again go to that square zero, just like the snake and ladder game. Even at 99, you can go to that on the mouth of the snake and come back to zero again. So that's what Sri Ramakrishna is indicating that be cautious. The price of purity is vigilance. So for that, means he has developed that flow in the last birth. So he has a natural inclination for spiritual life. But you know that before that's a, that uh, the other things of life, that's before he gets a proper spiritual orientation, the other things of life may lure him and may change. He may get diverted to the, and that some student is really has developed a knack for study. He's very good in his studies. And for to, to be good in studies, it's not the willpower. The will must get converted into passion. He likes to study. He has got good marks, went to the university. Everyone has a very high expectation from him. It's a common thing in our life we find. In spite of all those good, other uh, the, the aspects of life opens up there. We know there are so many cases that can be a fall. In spite of the fact he has developed a liking for the studies, the other things may draw him and that may result again in his degradation. Be very careful, but they too should be careful. It is woman and good alone because you just see it is a tremendous power because from the very beginning, from the bacteria, from the very first uh, evolute of life till the human being is only the human being who can think of this all where taking this woman and gold to be the be all and end all of existence. So it has a, such a deep groove in our mind. If somehow that our practice, which is compared to this superficial, compared to this deep groove, it is superficial because it is something we have just started till I can really make this a very deep groove. There are chances that it can take, drag me again to that path. So that in India, we found a very interesting, uh, not, I won't say freeway, the toll road, just take the toll road is created at the very beginning, at the very beginning, before they just will be having their toll plaza for taking the money from you. Not like in Australia that it automatically gets deducted from your account. So there you will have this toll plaza, won't be, uh, won't start from the day one, for a few days, for months, for maybe one month or even two months, that where the, the toll road itself will be, they will be allowing the people to traverse it. You know why? Very interesting. Because after creating that toll road, maybe there is some uh, deficiency in the construction process. There may be the road, miss, there may be need again to reconstruct it. So now people will object that, that so much toll money you have taken from me for this type of road. So first 
they allow for a few days, for maybe a month, to all to traverse without toll. After that, the toll charges they start taking. So we don't know the path which we have created is really strong enough. It may break off only when it is strong. Then only I can be to certain extent assured of the fact that nothing can deviate me. So, but they should too be careful. It is woman and gold alone that is the obstacle. It makes them perhaps they have some desire for enjoyment. After fulfilling their desire, they again direct their minds to God and thus recover their former state of mind, fit for the practice of yoga. So though they fall, but one thing which is assured, the path is already created. So when this, after the fall, when they again become aware of the spiritual dimension of their existence, now the path, the, to revive back the path becomes much faster. That is also assured. But when I have already resorted to the spiritual path, why have resorted to that? Knowing very well that this is not going to give me any. In our scriptures, they say, that it is just like once resorting to the spiritual path, again, falling back to the old way of life is just like licking your own spit. You have spitted out something and you're licking your own spit. It's just waste of time. It has no as such any uh, implications. It has no value. It's sheer waste of time. Sri Ramakrishna is warning that you shouldn't be, you should be careful that <clears throat> the prize of purity is vigilance. It is woman and gold alone. That is the obstacle. It makes them deviate from the path of yoga and drags them into worldliness. Perhaps <clears throat> they again direct their minds to God and thus recover their former state of mind, fit for practice of yoga. So even in Yoga Sutra, there's a sutra in the fourth last chapter after describing all the process state of Asampragyata Samadhi. There there's a warning. Tat chidreshu pratyaya antarani sanskarabhya. So during the intervals in the state of discriminative awareness, what happens, you know, that you, will, you can easily understand is that there are intervals. That when I am a novice, my mind is restless. After a lot of practice, I've developed little now. Rest of the time, what I'm doing? I'm again going back to my old ways of life. Isn't it? That's why Sri Ramakrishna used to say that, uh, that a novice is just like an ordinary fly. Sometimes they sit on nectar, sometimes they sit on filth. It's an only one advanced spiritual practitioner is like a bee, honeybee. It sits only on nectar, no more on filth. At the beginning, ways of living. But as I go on with my practice, I find that the qualitative life, the span of the qualitative life is increasing. I can at ease now sit for one hour meditation, maybe more. Even after meditation, I continue with my studies of the scriptures, study of something sublime. I can spread out having to resort back to the old ways of life. That's ekavritti is becoming more and more prominent. That one vritti of your mind, the focused mind is becoming more and more prominent and the sarvarthata, the distracted state is falling off. If I go on practicing, a time will come when ekagrata, that becomes the only state of mind and the sarvarthata falls off. As that mind is like a cup full of turgid water, impure water, full of dirt, but it is full to the brim. That's our mind, full of dirt, impure. Now our meditation is like pouring pure water into that cup, which is already full. Now what will happen overflowing will start spilling off and the pure water will enter the cup. So the turgidity will get more and more diluted. It will be reduced. A time will come. All the turgidity has been washed off. The cup is full of pure water. Till that happens, when that I have to resort back again and again to my old ways of living, that to the old ways of life. That is the chidra. That is the whole between the two contemplative states. Till that uh, gap is totally obliterated. Till I get a continuous flow. That ekavritti, ishtavritti. 
The Dega Ramakrishna is saying that though you have a yogi, who is a yogi, who has already developed a liking for the spiritual path, but that doesn't mean that he has already reached the final state. So he may be having too much overconfidence on him and that may result in his downfall. So that's in spiritual life, the only cause of downfall is ego. Always we have to be very humble, not think too high about ourselves, that I have conquered my all the, immediately it can bring danger. There's a nice story in Ramayana, when Hanuman was jumping over the ocean to reach Lanka, to bring the news of Sita back to Rama. <clears throat> there were so many things luring him, were obstructing him from the ocean they were coming up. So there was one such demoness who had the capacity, the demoness had the capacity to hold onto the shadow of anything which is flying over the ocean and swallow it. He'll just devour it. Now when Hanumana was jumping, the demoness tried the same thing which it used to do with the other flying creatures, the birds. But Hanumana had the capacity to become very small. So the demoness, whose name was Simhika, the Simhika tried her best to get hold of, become small and large. <clears throat> that there was almost no shadow in the ocean. So he couldn't catch him. He simply could escape the snares of Singhika. What that story speaks of? <clears throat> the more is our ego, <clears throat> the more we create a shadow personality. What's that? We start posing something which we are not. And that posing, that superficial personality hides all the weaknesses which we have. The more we try to shadow over my weaknesses, and it is this, holding onto this shadow, the subconscious mind like Simhika can come up and just simply grab us and take us to the destruction. So this becoming small speaks of the humility. The Hanumana had that capacity to be humble enough because he had a mission that God's <clears throat> that spiritual journey is our mission. We should have that humility enough not to be too uh, strong about our strengths. As Yatishwaranandaj used to say very nicely, the strength of a chain is judged by the weakest link. A chain may have so many strong links. All the links are very strong, little rust. But when the chain is on tension, it is from the link which has developed that rust, it will tear off. So though all the links are strong, it tears off from the link which it has developed the rust. Similarly, our personality, we may have a lot of strong faculties, but to disintegrate us. So that's why Sri Ramakrishna is saying that, this, that one has to be very careful. So, then Sri Ramakrishna will give some other examples to illustrate that it is the worldliness alone which doesn't allow us with a higher being, with the Paramatma, the real nature, our the soul, the soul of our soul. It doesn't allow, it as it drags us down, all the worldly ways of thinking, all the worldly way of life. <clears throat> so with some examples, he will try to example again in the next class. With this, we stop our discussion today. Thank you all. Namaskars.